Welcome to the T2 Hubcast. Join Martin, Dave, Spencer and guests as they discuss all things personal and professional development. The T2 Hubcast, brought to you by the People Performance People. So welcome back to the T2 Hubcast with me, Martin Johnson and Simon Trewick from Oculi Consulting. Simon Trewick, how the devil are you? I'm very well, Martin. How are you? Good, thank you. Good. We've been talking about doing this for a long time. We have. We have indeed. And I finally got Simon in the Hubcast room. So let me set the scene and, and give a bit of an introduction because I always do get excited when we get a guest in because, as you know, here at T2, me, Spencer, Dave, the team, we love doing these, but when we get somebody external in, it just adds that extra bit of bringing the outside in. So I love it. It's good to have you. So Simon Trueweek, um, various roles in your past, uh, in your tenured career. Um, most recently, you had quite a long term or quite a decent term at KCOM PLC and did various roles. But towards the end, you were, the, I think, director of customer operations, almost managing like a uh, 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 I think you called it a CSOC, didn't you? A customer we service did. operations center. Yep. Um, and you was managing or leading the whole team in that area. So quite an extensive background in sort of IT and transformation and technology and operations, but you've never been a techie. Would that be fair to say? Do you know, I think that's a really valid point, Martin. I I, I wouldn't class myself as a, as a traditional techie. Um, however, I've been in IT, as you say, for 30 years. Yeah. And uh, in fact, just over 30 years now, which is which is quite frightening. And I've seen the changes and how the technology has transformed businesses throughout that period of time. But I, I, I agree. I wouldn't say that. I'm a, I'm a your traditional techie person. Yeah. And do you know what? In my observation, I've been worked in Gartner for a number of years. The best CIOs, the best sort of directors of the of the of the high level operations inside IT was not techie. They weren't. And and that almost allowed them to have that sort of commercial business focused mindset on the strategy of what we wanted to achieve through technology rather than getting bogged down in the weeds. Into the detail. Absolutely. Which, so it's probably served you well and why you've had a career you've had. No, absolutely right. I mean I've you know just just very, very briefly, I mean I've worked in, in many industries. I've worked in, you know, Reckit Benkiza, FMCG, I've I've worked in telecoms with BT, I've worked for Siemens, more recently for Capita and and then KCOM, as you rightly say. Lots of those roles have been around business transformation um, and, and pr- predominantly led by IT projects yeah. around technology. And more recently, as you say, in, in KCOM, was around building a customer service center of excellence yeah. and, and amalgamating all the different parts of the KCOM group from a support perspective in, into one center of excellence. So, you know, I was involved right from the blueprint in through through to the transformation program and through to the actual live operations of the center, which was fantastic. But but I think the key is you, you surround yourself with good people and the good people who are the technical people help support those huge business transformation programs. So in consultancy, I translate that to partnerships with key vendors and suppliers who have all the technical expertise that you need and then I have the business knowledge, the acumen, and you know that that transformational experience to help and support businesses through their digital revolution, so to speak. Love it. So let's just come to that. So um, you left your—I say you left your career, but you, <laughs> you you left the corporate world, if you like, and you've more recently gone into consulting, which you alluded to there. And and I think that was when I first spoke to you, driven by that desire to go. Do you know what? I've got all of this skill set. I've got all of this experience from 
you know, mid-sized to large organizations. I've managed projects. I've seen transformation happen, and we've driven business outcomes as a result. I want to now go and share that wealth of experience with other organizations. And maybe that's more SMEs or, or, mm-hmm. or growing organizations who are on that digital or technological journey. But you've been there, seen it and done it. So you can bring that outside in and get them to where they need to be. And I think, you know, when I first spoke to you about it, Simon, your eyes lit up at the possibility of making a difference. And mm-hmm. and, and would that be fair to say that was one of your, one of your drivers I- for, for for going into consultancy? 100%, 100, 100%. You know, I think, you know, just going back, I've had a fantastic 30-year career in, in some, some big organizations. And I had a great opportunity to go into a fintech startup um, in May of this year. And, you know, that was a big decision for me to make. Do I leave the big corporate world and, and KCOM, which was a great company, thoroughly enjoyed working there and, and enjoyed the people aspect and, and everything that we did. But it was an opportunity for Simon Trawick to go and do what he wanted to be able to do. And by stepping away from kind of, you know, the, the, the big corporate organizations in, in, into a small startup company was was different but but still the same still the same challenges still the same opportunities and and you know although you've not got hundreds of people you you know it's very different in terms of the people aspects you've still got the same technology challenges the process challenges and and the business um challenges in terms of making that business a, a sustainable business through technology yeah love it love it all right so let's get stuck into it then what i want to grill you on a few questions while i've got you here today but i guess uh this all stemmed from a conversation we had before christmas in 2019 around my uh, hourglass theory which i recorded uh, about three years ago and i've since used it several times and for anybody listening who doesn't know what i'm on about let me just introduce the hourglass theory and then we'll get stuck into a few questions simon so the hourglass theory if you remember was uh, my observation in business is that every business goes through what I call the hourglass uh, cycle, where if you imagine an hourglass and you start up in business and for every customer you win, you drop a pebble or a little ball into the hourglass, like a grain of sand. So you get your first few customers and you drop it into the hourglass and it drops through to the bottom and life is great. There's plenty of space. There's loads of bandwidth. You know, you get, you think you're seriously in business. You've got low overheads, um, plenty of time and it's fantastic. And then you start winning more and more clients and the bottom of the hourglass starts to fill up. So as the bottom of the hourglass fills up, the space gets smaller and smaller as you try and reach that middle intersection, right? So your time starts reducing, your overheads start increasing, right? You start having real world problems once you start getting more and more successful. Um, and, and this happens in business. You you grow and grow and grow. And sooner or later, you're going to hit the middle of the hourglass where you are absolutely squeezed and there's no room to push up because the three main aspects that that sort of get you to reach that center of the hourglass are people, process, and technology. And it's every business is no matter how small or large, it's their journey. Your people either uh, you don't have enough or you don't have enough skilled people to sustain the growth or you've got too much of a, a, ter- a churn in, in, in turnover in your people. Your processes are sort of not mature enough to sustain what you're doing. You're sort of winging it. We've all been there, right? Yeah. Every time you grow and you need a, you diff- the business needs to do something, you just bang another process in, whether it's right or wrong. Mm. You get loads of duplication of processes as well. And then technology, which is on, which is what, what I want to talk to you about today. Your technology doesn't mature as fast as the business matures. You're still managing on spreadsheets. Believe Absolutely. it or not, people 100%. are 
you're managing on <laughs> spreadsheets and off-the-shelf s- software as a service, anything you can find because you need it in the moment. And, 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 and therefore, you get to a point where it just doesn't work for you, right? So to push up into the top half of the hourglass in business, you've got to look at your people, process, and technology. Where are your gaps? Start fixing them so you can open up that middle and push on through for further growth. And that's what I call the hourglass theory. Mm. And when I when I explained it to you, it made perfect sense to you. Absolutely. Here at T2, we, we, we focus and help organizations on the people element of that. What you do at Ocular is help with the technology piece. How can you... Um, you know, how can you manage your technology, invest in technology, have the right technology stack or, or, or portfolio that will allow you to continue to grow, save you time, save you money, improve processes, etc. I think that is, have I explained that right? Yeah, absolutely, Martin. And, and interestingly enough, when I joined the organization, I'm currently doing some consulting work for, which is um, in, in the fintech startup. And for those that don't really understand fintech, that's, that's just finance driven by tech. So yeah. it's a software as a service business. So one, one of the things, and it always makes me laugh because wherever I've been, you talk about managing everything on the spreadsheet. It doesn't matter what systems you put in place, what processors, what people you have, technology, they will always revert back to a good old Excel. Everybody file. trusts a spreadsheet. Everybody trusts a spreadsheet. And spreadsheet. you know why they do? Because I've uh, manually put this in for four absolutely. years, so it's right. It's got I'm... to be right, hasn't it? It's got to be right. <laughs> Can't share it with anybody. It's on my machine. It's mine. Yeah, and I will send so you it once, I, a, once a month if you need it. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So it's mine, 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 and and ultimately, then I lose my laptop, or you know, I lose my hard drive, and, and lo and behold, I've lost four years of data. So just got rewinding. You know, we've all, we've all got the the stories of the Excel spreadsheets and uh, and how how valuable they are, and 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 will remain so. You know, because people people like what they like. Yeah, but one one of the, one of the reasons I went into the uh, to the startup is. They were managing all their CRM on a spreadsheet, and they quickly realised it, it wasn't sustainable to manage it on a spreadsheet. So I went in there, and and you know I had a chat with with a, with the CEO, with a, you know with with the CFO, and said, look, what what is it that you're looking to achieve? Because you've really got to understand on your digital transformation where the journey that you're on, where do you want to go? Yeah. So you've got to look future out, and and you've got to bring that back to the here and the now. And and one one of the things that quickly became apparent is you know that that with their scale and growth that they had to invest in in a CRM system. Now there's a multitude of CRM systems out there. You know there's no right, there's no wrong. Every business is different. But but what I recommended for them in in their particular case was Salesforce. Yeah. Um, and I found a reseller, and and I worked with a reseller to implement the Salesforce. And I always talk about journeys from particular customer journeys for, for companies being from cradle to grave and being able to manage that that customer from the inception so from it being a prospect through to being a live um, live client potentially on the system to a contract being signed to doing all the due diligence particularly in finances a lot of due diligence you have to do down to managing the customer in a live environment and and you can do that all in cloud software as a system solutions now and you know, it takes away the reliance on the spreadsheet for this and the spreadsheet for that, and the data doesn't marry along, and somebody spells a customer wrong, and then when you search for it, you never see it again. You know, that, that end-to-end customer journey can now be built in to these fantastic software packages that are available in the cloud. Yeah, absolutely. So let me come into, because I'm on this journey myself, and we have several cloud, uh, mm. you know, software as a service 
applications now for our CRM, for our online hub, um, our content management system, even our accounting now. We everything's mm. in the cloud, and we have multiple systems that that are essentially a software as a service. Um, you know, sometimes if you don't know what you're doing, integration of those systems can be a nightmare. However, let me just come back to something there that you said. I still find that the biggest challenge that organizations will find is themselves. It's it's the it's the opening their mind to change and to mm. using so so you put in a salesforce.com mm. and it feels alien mm. and in the first two weeks people don't like it oh it's the i'm not used to it i don't know where anything is i, I want to go back to my spreadsheet i want to go back to my spreadsheet so having the, the how important is the human element in this move into cloud solutions for for smes because it, nobody likes change no, it's huge but do you find that most um most technology implementations or software implementations fail because of the human element of adoption rather than the technology itself. Absolutely. I mean, the, the technology is, is there, it's proven, but, but you, you, you said something and I, I you know, and, and I feel we repeat it often, but it's really, it's really important. It's people first, it's process, and then it's technology. And many companies in IT, I think, do it the reverse. They do the technology, the process, and then they think about the people. Yeah. So we'll spend all the money. Correct. We'll get the technology in. We'll wrap a lot of processes around it, and then we'll tell and, the people oh, that you've got it, and we expect everybody to use it. Right. And so, be bought into the, in, bought into why we're using it and what do we need to use it. For. So we've hit a salient point here. Then. So your philosophy as you move into the consulting world when you're working with your clients and organisations is. You have to win the hearts and minds of the people first. It almost include them in the technology process and the selection, and the adoption. So by the time you get to, you know, to actually implementation and wrapping processes, they're on board or they're at least informed around what, why, and how. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And, and the key part of that, Martin, in my in my experience is. People talk around change, and people talk about they don't like change. The only con I, I have three constants in life, and 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 this is Simon Chirik's theory: is taxes, yeah, change, <laughs> and death. Yeah. Now that sounds a little bit morbid, but change is around us all the time. Right. Everything changes all the time. People don't realize the the speed of change. You only have to look at the iPhones that we're both sat and the computers in front of us. The change has been phenomenal. Now. In an organization, I think that the way to bring people on and, and, and to buy into the technology roadmaps that people are going on is that you're absolutely hitting the nail on the head. You need to involve people and you need to bring in some change champions from in the organization who, yeah. who are keen on technology and they are open to change, but they, they become part of that journey and that implementation that you can then use their knowledge. So when you know the consultant steps away, you're safe in the knowledge that people know how to use it and are available to use it and, and know why we've done it because yeah. it's all about the why. Yeah. You know, the how's almost, you know, I say easy, it's not easy. And, and, you know, obviously that's why people like me help customers and clients along that journey. But you've got to understand the why. Why are we doing it? And yeah. get that bought into from, from everybody. Otherwise, I've been in organisations that have spent millions of pounds on technology. And that, and that, that I'm... I, I'm not kidding here, Martin. Millions and millions of pounds on on huge technology programs to deliver value, and I won't name any names, but but they failed because they've not brought the people on, mm. on the journey. So people don't use it. They don't, they don't get the it. engagement. They don't get the change, and then they, no. they end up kiboshing the project. And, and then or guess what happens? Then they blame the technology and they go on to the next one. Yeah. And then the repeat cycle. 
And so how important is the, in the early days of a new technology going live, how is it important is the, that onboarding stroke training? How do you, because part of it is people don't feel comfortable using something they're not familiar with. As you know, when you become, it's like when you get your new iPhone, you mentioned phones, right? Mm -hmm. You upgrade your iPhone and it all feels alien and you don't like it, right? Although it's the latest tech for the first two days, you're stumbling through the apps. This doesn't work like this used to work because you've got all these ingrained sort of behaviors in your head of how you use it and you've got to reset. But three weeks in with your new iPhone, you're absolutely flying because you've used it every day and you've taken time to learn how to use it. But with systems in the workplace, it frightens me how how much a lack of training is actually provided. It's almost like it's live. Play around with it. Here's a cheat sheet or a battle guide on the intranet and let IT support know if you've got any problems. Mm -hmm. Is there a – do you see that the the most successful programs and organizations are those who put a really robust first one, two, three months of training into the employees using it? I, I think it's a really valid point. And, and just, just going back to your iPhone analogy, and I, th- I think this is where change always interests me. I like change. I like mm. change. I like transformation. I, you talk about the iPhone and, and people stumble along for the first two weeks. But let me ask you a question, and then we'll come back to that. How many people would go back to their, to their phone. own phone? Yeah, very few. Exactly. And, and that's what we need to get across in, in the business world of, of technology. So... He, if I go back to your question, do you need to bring the people in? Do you need to build that into a transformation program? Absolutely. So again, as an example, what I recently did is I got the reseller to hold once we'd gone live. And and you're right, you, you, people need to see it. They need to play around with it. They need to have some questions around it to, to provide the value in in an open training session. So I brought the reseller back in. Um, and and we had a, an afternoon where we'd all use the system for a couple of you know for for a couple of weeks. We'd all got questions, but rather than bombarding, bombarding, I said, look, just just make a note of all your questions. Then we'll bring them back in, and then we can all have a session to to work through people's questions and how do we you know how do we get across if if people have got an issue. And it's really important that you that you never stop that as well because mm. the software evolves. The, the the things that you can do in in things you know such as Salesforce in in this day and age people think it's a sales generation tool. It was it was started as a sales generation tool. It's now, as I said, it's an end to end customer solution. Yeah, and it's absolutely huge. Um, they had their event in San Francisco recently. There were sixty thousand people turned up. Yeah, to this event in San Francisco, and this this is how big it is. Software as a service, platform as a service. But it, it is important that if you're going to spend your, your hard-earned money in your hourglass and, you you know, you want to get people into the top so you can sell more and grow, be more yeah. productive and you can grow and evolve, it is important that people understand the why and, and people understand how they can use the software yeah. for to, to help themselves. Because another good thing that, I've, that I think about people is uh, the, the people piece for me is, is it, it's quite a simplistic approach. You employ the right people. You give them the right tools to do the job, and you support the people at doing the job. Yeah, and I, you know, and, and again, I think a lot of people lose sight of that. Yeah. Do you know what's fascinating, and it'd it be interesting to get your view? It's like, do you think it? You know, obviously, part of your job as a consultant is to recommend the right technologies for the customers' needs, right? And um, I find that I mean, do, isn't there a case though? Therefore, that we're talking about. 
you know, implementing the technology and providing training and coaching and support and onboarding and making sure people comfortable with it. But look at the most successful technologies in the world that are used by consumers, Facebook, YouTube, you know, Google, et cetera. Nobody has, you don't have a tutorial on YouTube. Very true. You go on and you suss it out within 15 seconds. Same mm. with Facebook, same mm. with Twitter, same with LinkedIn, right? The most used platforms on the planet, Instagram, et cetera. There's no tutorial because they're built in a way, certain, certainly for the younger generations, mm. millennials and Generation Z, where it's just second nature. Mm. I know I create a profile. I know I, I suss out how this works and this works. I play around with a few posts and a bit of interaction, and then I'm off, mm. right? Do you see that correlation in business or does it differ? Are the best technologies out there the ones that are simple to use and they shouldn't need to come with the tutorial? I don't know, like HubSpot, like Salesforce.com, right? Like some of the the Google application yeah. suite, yeah. you know. Yeah. It, are they, should a millennial or a Generation Z um, employee be able to just log on and suss it out in 10 minutes? Or do you think corporate technology is different to social do you know, that is a great question. Great question. And I see two sides to it, Martin. I I see that everything you've said, I 100% support and, and, and I, I see where you're coming from. The millennials have been brought up with technology. Yeah. So when they go on to these online platforms, it, it's the norm for them. Yeah. It, it's the norm. However, a lot of people in business... Are, are still are baby boomers and baby Gen X, boomers right? And absolutely. Yeah. And they need a different approach. And I'm not saying that this doesn't apply to everybody, of course. And, and you know, there are some fantastic technical people. But if we generalize, which we're generalizing, yeah. I think that the key is, is different people need different things. Yeah, that's a good point. So, you know, the, the, the younger today don't use emails. What do most corporate and most SMEs use day in, day out? Emails. Yeah. And why? Absolutely. You know, that's the question. They're much more likely to engage on a project on a WhatsApp. Absolutely. On a WhatsApp group uh, yeah. or, a, or a link or whatever it might be. Completely. Yeah. And, and what's the worst form of communication? And it's been proven time upon time. Email. Yeah. But what the companies use, email. What, so, the, what the companies desperately want to reduce, email. email. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, you know, it's really interesting in what you say that. I think there's an element of both things. I think the consumer-driven applications that you're speaking about, you know, yeah. Facebook, you're, you're in, although Facebook is now for business, etc. Yeah. but predominantly it's a social consumer. media platform yeah. for consumers, um, is, is, is driven and you don't need your, your, your training guides and everything. Business systems differ somewhat because you've got a process that needs to be followed for your business that needs building into a system. And That's you, where I think it differs. And usually you're holding lots of data, customer of data, data, employees data, Absolutely. and with GDPR now, there's a bit more complexity to that than much just more. being a platform that uh, I'm using. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Much more in terms of GDPR. And that's a really valid point. And, and building, you know, what's important now is the tools are now available to build the, your customer journeys from a corporate perspective, SME, into the cloud. And, and that's the key of selecting the right software, selecting the right partner and selecting the right consultant to, to help you through that journey, because that's not easy. No. Let me ask you a question. We've, we, we're flying through this and we've got seven minutes left. So I want to ask you a couple more questions. Let me ask you a question. So in the modern day, in this digital industrial revolution that you and I talk about um, a lot, is um, would you say that for SMEs or growing businesses, do you think that a lot of people still want to, to create their own system bespoke that does what they need it to do for them? There's lots of advantages to that. There's a lot of disadvantages to that. Whereas what a lot of consultants are saying now in the cloud is, 
listen, don't reinvent the wheel. There is a, there is, mark my words, there will be a technology you can lift off the shelf and customize to your own needs rather than the expensive sort of, uh, you know, I will create my own thing, which has advantages, but then complete disadvantages as well. What advice would you give to them? Is, is in your opinion, is there always something you can lift and customize, which will be more cost efficient, much quicker, and much more effective than trying to create the unicorn for your organization? Where do you stand on that? Uh, so, and again, it comes back to your, your hourglass theory on how companies evolve and, and how they grow. And 100%, the, the key is to, to bespoke as little as possible. You can customize. Yeah. And that's the way forward, but customize where your customer journey and your process and your systems is, is built into one. So I call it a single version of the truth. Right. And so, like so have one point of your data and, and make sure that flows through your system. And again, I said it many times from cradle to grave. And, and it's really, really valid. Many, many, and it sounds like you, you, you guys have done something similar. You have a system for this and a system for that and a system for that. Yeah. So you've got different data inputs, different data objects. It's really difficult to manage. What's, what's the version of the truth? Where's my version of the truth? Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, so bespoke as little as possible. Customize, absolutely, but be careful because the more customization you do, the the more difficult it is for these big software as a service platforms when you get the updates, because most of this, you get the security updates, not talked about security, you get the security updates, you get the platform updates, it's all built into the packages. But the more customization you do of that platform, it then becomes more difficult to do the upgrades. Yes. So you've got to find a common point. Yeah. When your partner says to you, listen, you've customized this so much that this upgrade's not going to work Correct. for you. So then you, for support and maintenance and all sorts of stuff, you start, yeah, it's a really... It becomes really difficult. I think if there's people listening to this, this you know, small, mid-sized businesses or large businesses on that journey, just think about that because I can think of a million examples of where people have fallen foul of that. The other thing I want to throw out there, Simon, for actually one last question from your perspective is this. When companies, let's face it, when when businesses grow because they want to eventually sell and be bought out by a bigger organization or an investor, it used to be uh, that assets and people and, re and, and customers were the reason people bought businesses. And what we're finding now as I speak to some of my contacts around, you know, angel investors and investors and, and, and larger organizations are acquiring is the technology is now coming as the number one reason as a while by your company. So if you have the right tech in place with the right data, and, and that means that your business model is sound for reoccurring ongoing revenue, but we can manage and we can assess. And that is one of the reasons. So if you're an organization who is growing and your end game is to sell and you have a conglomerate of mixed technology that's duplicated, that's not, it's going to put buyers off because the future of business is going to be based on this digital industrial revenue. How digitally sound are you? You know, how, how much can, how much are you, you know, robust against GDPR, et cetera. Mm. So, you know, for the long game as well, it's a necessity now. It is a necessity. And, and, and you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, pe people often talk about, you know, the journey to the cloud and, and how do I start that digital transformation, my journey to the cloud. And, and it, 
you know, I'd still people think, you know, are things stored in the cloud? And that's not to be disrespectful. It's because they don't understand what, what the cloud can, can and, and why should they? Because they're not technical people. Mm. You know, they're good at what they do, and that's why they go into business. But, you know, you can't be good at everything. And, no. and that's why, you know, the people like myself are here to help people on, on those journeys. But, but what's really, really important is scalability, uh, resilience, and security. Yeah, and predominantly those three things you can leverage with with a good cloud platform solution. Yeah, and you know that's that's in my mind got to be better than than servers sat in a corner of an office. You know, it's not secure. If you have a power cut, what do you do? Yeah, you know, if you lose disasters like floods and what do you do? I mean, I lived through the floods of Wreck-It Benkiza, and you know, I remember as having switched the factory off uh, in Hull. And I remember carrying equipment across, wading up into my knees in water to the factory to, to keep the to keep it running. You know, I, I you know I've lived and breathed these events, and you know it's really important that that you have a you know a BCP DR plan on on top of everything. Yeah. But the cloud can help in that Absolutely. because it takes a lot of that uh, reliance on on businesses because it's already built into the cloud. Exactly. Love it. Right. We've got a minute and a bit left. I want to ask you one last question. One piece of advice for SMEs, what must they consider for sustainable growth when it comes to cloud? I think they need to consider what what their digital transformation journey is. And and as I said right at the beginning, what do they want to do in the future? Because what's important is, you know, business plan, so three, six, 12 months, but but three years ahead, where where, where do they see themselves being? In the in your hourglass, yeah. do, do they see, where do they see that growth? And then it's about working with people like myself to, to understand what solutions are out there to enable that business to, to achieve that growth. And there's no one solution fits one company, Martin. There's numerous yeah. solutions. This is why it's difficult. And this is why it's dif- people dip their toes in and become, I guess, a little bit frightened yeah. and step away and yeah. go back to Excel spreadsheets and loads of systems. You know, the key is utilize people who have a little bit of knowledge and experience around this, who can help you on that cloud transformation Absolutely. and get the right solution for you. Love it, Simon. I could talk to you all day long with 20 seconds left. If you want to get in touch with Simon, or you want to chat with him or arrange a meeting around you know, your product suite, your portfolio, your journey, where you're heading, just contact us here at T2 for now and we'll 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 hook you up and put you in touch. But Simon True, thank you very much. And we'll be back shortly with another T2 thank podcast. You. Thank you, Martin.